Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call. Get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, there should be some passion. This doesn't have to be boring. Boring, boring. Okay, one thing the game needs is more people like you. You, you. Still have grown men run around tight pants. It's Mookie Betts. This is Daniel Bard. It's Steve Aoki. Jared Saltzlamakia. This is Brock Holt. Hey, this is John Lester. Baseball is baseball. Baseball isn't boring. Welcome to Baseball Isn't Boring. Here's your host, Rob Radford. All right, baseball's not boring because of great baseball people, and Jerry DePoto is one of those great baseball people going back to when he dominated as a pitcher. I think I may have picked you, Jerry, and made me my first fantasy football, I'm sorry, fantasy baseball league. I'm not sure. Excellent closer. Congratulations. I mean, I yeah, sure, I'm sure you, you still have dominate. Do you mean for, for a, a series of pitches or outs or over a course of time? Because – some of those are more true than others. No, no, you dominate. Yeah, I, I remember, I can, and I can probably go to baseball reference to have, back this up because we have technology now. Uh, like, I remember a certain, um, a certain one-year Red Sox manager, he would tell stories and we would go back and say, well, we can look that up now. <laughs> so, <This is> true. <laughs> so, so I'll just say this is that you, you are a very good pitcher and very good GM and congratulations on all your success. And, and thanks again for joining us here. Um, how, first of all, how are you, Jerry? Good. All good. Yeah. We're, uh, we're in what is a, an atypically cold desert here in Arizona in the early days of spring, but uh, ready to get going with some baseball. Well, a- after literally after we record this, I am heading out to Arizona, going to a music festival out there because why not? Um, the Ryan Dempster, Jake P. Beginnings Festival. So I hear great things about you've you've experienced the Florida versus Arizona spring trip. I mean, of all the great debates in baseball, this isn't really a debate, is it? So there's having I've been this is now my 34th spring training and 31 of them have been in Arizona. So, (laughs) yeah, I'm a little bit partial to to Arizona as I'm I'm so used to it. And, and, you know, being in the West, you don't typically get a lot of weather days. You almost never get rain. And, you know, knowing remembering very early in my career when I was with the Mets, 
down in central Florida and my last year with the Indians <laughs> here in Winter Haven, you know, they're so muggy and sweaty by the time you get into March. And, you know, here in Arizona, you just roll in and, you know, it's dry heat. I would say the Department of Florida Tourism would probably say, please don't judge us on Winter Haven in Central Florida. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, uh, but anyway, you, you've landed a good spot. Um, and so, Jerry, we've had on a few different GMs on the podcast here. And the, the continuing debate, uh, which I think is maybe one of the most important in all of baseball, is where do you stand on ketchup-flavored potato chips? And so I now, first of all, can you identify the GM who maybe got this conversation going on the ketchup flavored potato chip? Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a nationality thing, right? So if you ever been in the Toronto press box, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with double A on that. Yeah, one. you gotcha, you gotcha. Yeah. The the A bomb. I don't know if I, there's he has recommended a Greek restaurant or two to me through the years, and, uh, and he's never off with his recs. But I don't know if I could go with a, a ketchup flavored potato. Oh, uh, he this is a, this was so spirit, you know, because he's talking about extensions and he's you know in in GM mode and everything. And then I said, Alex, of course we're talking about Alex Anthopoulos, Montreal native. I said, Alex, man, you gotta tell me. Like ketchup flavored potato chips, like I don't get it. It, it, it. It's just, and he's. I mean, I've never seen him so animated. So listen, we all have our things that we dig in on, right? And, and animated is kind of Alex's thing. He's, uh, you know, he's nothing if not lively. <laughs> all right. Well, so you. So I think you're. You're probably on. I'll put you on the check mark of Heim Bloom, Ben Sherrington, Jerry Depoto. Um, and, and then Alex Anthopoulos over here. Uh, so, um, all right. So as you head into this this spring training, it is like like we look at the divisions, Jerry, and, and it's it's so fun, man. It, it's so fun to see so many teams emerging, the divisions being so competitive. You are in you are in a fascinating division, and part of the reason it's fascinating is because how good you guys are. Do you feel? I guess the first question I would have. Do you feel like a different vibe heading in? You, like you hope for the best last year, right? You think you have a good team, you hope for the best, but now you do it, and now you head into this spring trade. Is do you feel different? Is there a different vibe? Is there a a chest out? Uh, hey, listen, we not only think we can do it, we know we can do it. I, I think there's that. You know, the the beautiful thing about baseball, and and I think this is across you know 30 spring training camps right now, is that you have to remember every year and every team, it's a new team. And you know, with uh, with our group coming in, they they're wearing it a little bit. They're proud of what they were able to accomplish last year. And if you could tell in the in the early days of this camp that that they're getting after it as hard or harder than they've ever gotten after it before out on the field. They know they're good enough to play with the best teams in the league right now. We feel like we're one of the best teams in the league right now. You know, that air of confidence seems to be in the air. But I feel like the the more prominent feeling is, is you know, business left unfinished, that they want to go out and, and uh, get another crack at this. It's uh, It left a bad taste in their mouths when we, when we got knocked out there at the end in the series with Houston. And I think it's uh, it's something they're looking forward to. I know we are as a as an organization in total, but our players came in all smiles, lots of confidence. But I can't say that's grossly different than any year. But if you ask them the question, you know, did we leave some business unfinished? Yeah, they're all over that. Yeah, you couldn't say that before. So that's, you know, you're able to say that and good for them. I mean, and, and the interesting thing is from, from your perspective, 
you know, I, a lot of times GMs talk about pieces fitting. Like you're you're trying to get the right pieces to fit, and it's not only it getting the best players; it's the right pieces to fit. You you have made a ton of moves in your tenure as GM. I mean, you have made a ton of moves, and you've traded a lot. Um, when you sit there and watch, look at this team after all the dust has settled, after all the moves you made, getting you know, to Teoscar Hernandez and giving up a valuable reliever, and, and you're thinking, okay, we know we need this, we know we need this, but we knew had, we had a good team, but now we have to make sure that the pieces fit. I don't know if I'm asking this question the right way, but I'm just uh, basically what I'm saying is as you look at this team, after all the shock and awe of trades and everything, you're like, okay, I feel good about what we have. You know, I think the the key is that once you experience the 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 postseason for the first time, or you know, if I look back over these last two seasons, you know, we, we've back to back ninety one years. We've started to develop a belief in ourselves, a trust in one another, trust organizationally. I think from from the players on the field to the staff down in the dugout to to the front office and everyone who supports our team, is there something unique? You can't screw that up by adding the wrong element to the clubhouse. It's a, you know, it's a pretty sensitive dynamic when you're in a building mode, like we might've been three or four years ago. It's a, you know, you're in that mode and you're just looking for talent. You're looking to tap into guys that, that, that can become part of the foundation moving forward. You know, right now we've developed a culture that, that belief, and you can really do more harm by adding the wrong person to your clubhouse it's easy to identify the talent, the right talent to fit your needs, but finding the right talent who fits that puzzle piece, you know, in your clubhouse with your team. And it's not just what spot they hit at in the lineup. It's how they keep the, you know, that culture of trust moving forward. And it's a, it's a pretty delicate thing. And, and, you know, you'll see now over these last couple of years, as prolific as, as we've been in trading through the years, now, we feel like we've stabilized some and we're still going to do more trades than anybody else because that's that's what we do. But, at, you know, at the end of the day, we do feel like we've stabilized and now we're 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 looking for the perfect fits for those puzzle pieces. Guys like Tasker Hernandez and Colton Wong, A.J. Pollock, you know, if you people we feel like really reinforce what we're doing in the clubhouse as well as fill in those spots on the field. So, so as a GM, does that, is that a, a new thing for you? I mean, you've, like you said, you were building, you were finding talent and now you have to sit back and say, okay, time to adjust the thinking a little bit. I mean, for you, as long as you, 2015, you took over, right? Yes. After, after you, uh, you dissected the Red Sox farm system, so, <laughs> so that, which I would, I really want to dive in. I, uh, it's, it's a bigger picture podcast, uh, maybe another time. Uh, um, it wasn't, I mean, so, so in case people don't understand, you were hired to sort of, um, I guess go through the Red Sox farm system and just sort of like pick it up, pick it apart or take, have another set of eyes. Right. Yeah, you know, it's something that, you know, even when when I was first with the Red Sox back in 02, 03, or 03, 04, you know, Theo's early years as, as general manager, he's the first one who I ever encountered who believed in bringing someone from outside, you know, who wasn't you know, in tune with what the Red Sox were doing at the time and letting them do like a third party assessment. 
So we'll call it just all things player development or scouting and player development. Pick our systems apart and tell us what you see, because you can become so you know institutionalized when you know when the only people that that are aware of what you're doing or that you're that are providing feedback to you are the ones that are sitting in the offices right around you or even on the field down below us. But at the, at the end of the day, having someone you trust who has an opinion that might be different is valuable. I thought it was cool. Yeah. I think it's great. Love it. Yeah. So, so I'm not going to ask you who you said, this guy can't play, but I'm going to ask you, give me, give me a guy who said, Oh, I like the cut of his gym. Hey, and maybe it was someone that they wasn't – maybe that you had to sell them on a little bit. I don't know if you remember back that far because you've made a million trades since then. But, but do you remember any, anybody that jumps out when, when you went through those farm systems and had that extra set of eyes? Yeah, I do. I mean, the guy who jumped out, who I thought was the the best guy in the system at the time, was that had not yet touched the big leagues was Devers. You know, I had to, and having seen him, I, I got a chance to see him play at the at the low A level. It was super talented, low A team, and and uh, you know, Raphael was there, and it was very clear. I think he was eighteen at the time, and uh, an eighteen year old playing in a full season league, and and it really gave you a different perspective what he was what he was capable of at that level, and the numbers didn't jump off the page but his skill level did you know the at, that was you know first and foremost I was right you know right at the graduation point for guys like Mookie Betts and Xander Bogarts uh, who had gotten there I think the you know that would, he was just finishing his first full year Mookie was just appearing in the big leagues for the first time uh, it was such a robust farm system but it was all position players you know it's a there was if I went through and I and I'm in my mind, I'm peeling through even guys that you thought were, you know, like up down type prospects that could be reinforcements for a good major league team, you know, or the second wave of prospects that you thought could be everyday players, guys like Manny Margot, you know, it, uh, it's, it really stands out now as he, he turned into what you thought Manny could be. But it, it, it was a very different look on the pitching end. And, uh, you know, it, I, I don't know why that is. It was a very polar system loads of offensive talent, you know, Moncada and Devers and Benintendi. And, and, you know, I, and I happened to get there when, when the only real, you know, notable pitching prospect was, was on a suspended list and everybody else was just, you know, okay. And, and then you look, and there were some guys that came out of that system that put together nice careers. You know, first one that jumps to mind is Jalen Beeks where oh, yeah. uh, you, when you watch Jalen Beeks throw at the at the A ball level, you're, you're like, okay, you know, I, I see why we we thought enough of him to draft him, but you really didn't see this big upside potential. Now he's throwing in the mid nineties, <laughs> and yeah. you know, Tampa's tapped into a you know what I think is a real weapon. I think you know, but it's a good point, and you know, I don't know how much they say. Hey, you know what Jerry said this, so we got to hold on to this guy. But you know, it's well documented how they want to hold on to Devers in, in the in the sale trade, and, and, and it's a valuable thing, but. I did go off course because, like I said, I, I love that. Uh, selfishly, I love that time when you came in and did that. But my point was is that when you took over in 2015, like you said, you're building and you're building and you're building and you're building. And now, you, as you point out, you have to do this. You you have to prioritize, as we said, the right pieces, the right people, not necessarily, hey, you know what, get the, the premier talent, but now it's the last step. Um, in this offseason, was that – did it feel different? Like, did it, I mean, it's kind of a cliche and I don't know, but it does, did it feel different being a GM? Yeah. I, you know, I don't, I, I've been through it 
once before in the same way. And I was in Anaheim with the Angels, and this is, you know, coming off of a losing season in 2013, which was very uncommon for the Angels at the time. And you know, in 14, we had a ton of talent, all stars all over the place, and we were missing, you know, that's something in a clubhouse that makes winning teams win. And you know, we, we spent the the years prior. It's Albert Pujols and it's it's Josh Hamilton and it's C.J. Wilson and it's big trades for famous players and adding Houston Street, adding Zach Greinke, you know, and going into the 2014 season, you know, our, our activity was simply acquire a couple of good young pitchers, prospects that we liked. And we went out and got what I would call glue guys or, or makeup guys like Raul Abanez and Johnny McDonald and and we made a trade for David Freeze and and you know those guys became the the core that that the team started to 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 circle around and you know you get one upstart young player we had Cole Calhoun at the time and he brings that energy with Mike Trout's talent and the greatness of the, the players around him that were all buoyed by those makeup guys in the middle of the room and and I feel like we have that now here in Seattle with a, a super fun talented team that is primarily built around guys that are in their you know low mid 20s and you know we, we hope it's the beginning of something special. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Yeah, it's funny. You bring up Trout. It made me think. You know, obviously you do the extension with Julio, you know, did you try to do that with Trout? Like early, I, early I did. Uh, it just wasn't as long. <laughs> yeah. 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 I guess, yeah. Uh, Mike, I did what one of actually one of the, the maybe the biggest, biggest extension uh, in our baseball life at that time was uh Trout. We did, I think a six year, $144 million extension for him. Uh, as a two plus and you know with Julio we got a little bit more aggressive than that and you know God bless Ulysses Cabrera and Julio for loving to be a Mariner but you know we had a, a couple of conversations and it turned into something more complicated more grand and that has a chance to keep them here for you know maybe the next 17 years which would be something <laughs> would be something what uh did you uh, this is a, another cliche question did you learn anything like you said like julio's a little bit before even trout and um and this has been as we said our our potato chip loving friend alex Anthopoulos has done a really good job of this recently of locking guys up but going through this process did you did you learn have you learned anything about hey maybe uh, maybe you know we did trout two plus we maybe could have even done it earlier, and maybe that's what we should do with Julio. I don't know. Is there anything to that? I think there's a lot to it, you know. And I have the benefit of, you know, in my a lifetime ago in my playing days, I came up with the Cleveland Indians right at the time that the Indians were transitioning from, you know, like the major league version with the oh, yeah. planes and the, you know, no belt on your pants to what was you know, a ten year run of a dominant team in the in as the the divisions I, I broke in. We were in the AL East, and then you know a, a year later the the Central is born. So it was a, a, a unique time, a new state. 
stadium. And the Indians were really the, the like the forerunners in, in doing extensions for young players and, you know, signing guys like Jim Tomey, signing guys like I'm looking around the diamond, you know, roughly everybody but Albert Bell and Kenny Lofton. You know, it was Carlos Baerga. I'll give you another Bell. one. Paul Sorrento. Paul Sorrento exactly. got a deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, they did fun deals with a lot of young players and, and kept them there for, for a number of years. And I look back at it now, and you know, I think the for the for the smaller middle market teams, that is a, a wonderful business plan. Is the that's the way that you you build in. You're going to take some risk, and every one of those deals that you sign isn't going to work to the advantage of the club. But if you do them enough, and and you you know you have enough of a of a foundation built around players that you signed for the long term, and you believe in the person that you're mm-hmm. signing. Uh, you know, if you do that, even if you miss on one or two along the way, it'll work out to your benefit and, and you'll be able to keep a good club together with faces and names that resonate with your fan base. And that, you know, it's, that's the, the saddest, you know, state of affair for, for smaller market teams is that the players move on so quickly. And, you know, it's, I remember back when I first got to Boston and, you know, it's how, how connected the, the fans were to the best players that we had, you know, and, you know, when Nomar Garcia Parra ran out on the field, he was, he was like a public trust, you know, in addition to being, and a great baseball player and you know and you, and you want to see that I, I i felt the same way playing with jim tomey in cleveland and you know it's sad the day that they leave and you know the, the contract that we've been able to do with julio we've done others andres muñoz and jp crawford and marco gonzalez and you know taking a book out of those indians days which i think is you know similar to what you know the double a is doing now in atlanta and it's I think it's good business and it, it allows players to achieve a bigger payday earlier in their career. They're taking some risk. The club is taking some risk, but some of these like Julio's and maybe the one that, that Devers just did, they're, they're considerably more lucrative than what was being signed in the early nineties with the track. Well, so I, I asked uh, Alex this in, in it's the, do you remember the moment and in him in his case you remember the moment when you decide okay i think we should we should approach acuña about a contract um so i'm going to ask you about this about julio do you remember the moment because maybe it's maybe it's like when he's in the minors like i you know obviously there's been examples of you know longoria whoever very very early 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 do you remember that moment where you said to someone say you know what i think we like everything about this kid I think we, whenever we get the chance, we should broach this subject. Do you remember? Was it out of Chili's or was it, you know, it could be anywhere. Where was it? I think it's probably right here in Pure, Arizona, watching him in his first spring training uh, and and how easily he acclimated himself with the big league guys. And he he stood out, you know, and he was, uh, he's, at the time, 18 years old, and it, it was hard not to be taken by not not just you know the the physical talent, which was pretty obvious, but getting to know the person. You know, we've known Julio since he was 16 years old, and you know, in, in a lot of ways, he finished his education in our programs. He he grew up uh, at, at our facility in the Dominican Republic. We've gotten to know his family, and and I think there's a a collective trust that we believed in him we believed in his in his talent we believed in him as a player and his maturity level to handle something like this 
You know, it's one thing when you hand out you know, a lucrative multi-year deal to a player at that young an age. It's another thing entirely when you give them multi-generational life-changing money. And uh, and I can't say enough about how much we believed in Julio as and, and his emotional. Uh, so it was that young. It was that young, huh? I mean, it was like yeah. 18. You said, hey, listen, I think that we should talk about a, a seventeen-year contract, <laughs> but you know, you know, a lifetime, you know, lifetime, lifetime deal. Yeah, lifetime deal. <laughs> I mean, I I say this I, in the fun game that we play. Um, I always use Theo actually as this as as the inventor of this game. And in his hiatus in two thousand five, he was doing an event, and someone asked him, "Who would you start a team with?" And he said, "Felix Hernandez." And I so I loved like that conversation. So when people ask me, I said, "I say Julio Rodriguez." I mean, that's the guy. There's no right answer, but I mean, it's the right answer for you, I guess. But for me, it's that's who I, I feel. I feel better about my answer anyway. So, yeah, you know, it's it's some of it. It's it's about age. It's about talent. It's about where he is in his career arc and where we in our where we are on our win arc. You know, it's it's also about the personality and the way he connects with fans, the way he connects with teammates. You know, there's there's something to be said for you know, if when we look back and think in our lives about all the teams that we've that we've watched and grew up watching. When you think of a team, you know, immediately you see the logos, you see the uniform in your mind's eye, and then in your lens, you almost always see a, a player. Mm-hmm. Like who's your player? And you know, it's I, I I venture to guess right now when you look at the Mariners, depending on your era, we've had some really iconic players, guys like Ichiro and Ken Griffey Jr. and Edgar Martinez, Felix. You know, I I think Julio has all of that to be among you know that group if his career goes as it could. And have you have you noticed any have you noticed any difference in him? I mean, this is my guess is no, but you know, uh, still you have a lot of money. Yeah, you know, it's it's not you're not leaning on the major league per diem for spring training anymore. You know, it's like you get a lot of money and you're you no forget about the money. I mean. It's the it's the era. It's the air. It's the responsibility. It's the you're the guy. And there is that sense of of um, hey, you know, I don't have to worry about that. That's great. But there's also the sense I would imagine of, hey, I'm being looked up to more than ever before in my life. I think he always carried himself that way. And is that even from the youngest age, he's always carried, you know, an air of responsibility as a leader with his teammates. He's always been the guy who was enthusiastic and wanted to, to, he wanted people to, to gather around them. And I, you know, I've said it before, part of what made our team fun going into the postseason last year is that, that we are young, play with a ton of energy. And, and our guys like when people are watching, you know, it's a, they, they like to show them what they can do. And, and uh, they've never been on those, you know, types of stages before, but they, they, they invite the light. And, you know, I think that really, that, that has a chance to really be a big benefit for us because, you know, our, our most talented, youngest players are, are coming up at a time where they just watched, you know, a 21 year old kind of take the league by storm a little bit. And, you know, by mid season, you know, at the start of the year, it was a fun project. And by the middle of the season, you're thinking, <laughs> oh my God, he's got a chance to be a star. Oh, man. It was so fun watching the home run derby. It's, it was like, it's crazy. It was like, just the ball the coming off his bat. And I know that this doesn't matter to anybody because, 
you know, Mac McClung just won a slam dunk contest. So, I mean, it's like, doesn't mean he's the best player in the NBA, but it's just different. It's just different. But you, you talk, you've also gone through calling up guys at the right time, right? This is another part of this where you have to wait, you have to wait, you have to wait. And, and obviously with Julio is a young guy. Um, Jared is, you know, is a guy who came up early and has struggled and now, you know, is finding it a little bit and has gone through a lot. Um, and you look at his, I've looked back at his class, um, because Tristan Cassis, I think, was in his class as well. Uh, and like when, he, how he compared, um, and, and we look at other guys who call it, there's no, there's, there's no one blueprint, as you know. Um, but how, how difficult is that part of it where you, you think that this guy is ready? Maybe it's not quite that time. Maybe it is. I mean, you've gone through this at, with various, a lot of different players, right? Yeah. I mean, you go through it and you try to remember what it was like for yourself you know it's a and the thing i've learned through the years is player development's just not very linear you know it, it, as often as you get a julio rodriguez or a mike trout or you know even i go back it's a dustin pedroia how easy they made it look transitioning like there wasn't a lot of struggle before the you know the the stardom came and you know that that's an unusual path uh, the, you know that there's there's a level above the best player in in the league yeah, and and there's a certain number of players who can get there pretty quickly you know there are other guys that i would say hit the ground and they're going to hit the speed bumps they're going to fall down they have to figure out how to get back up you know and i'll never forget you know allard baird who's you know a longtime employee with the red Sox and and former gm with the kansas city royals this was god it had to be close to 20 years ago when we were talking about zach Greinke when he was in the minor leagues and you know, to me, the biggest challenge when you get a player like that, like Zach or like Felix Hernandez or like Justin Verlander or Julio Rodriguez, when you see them in the in the low minors, it's finding the timing to get them to you don't you know that guy is not going to struggle versus minor league players at very at any level, regardless of his age. How do you time his arrival in the big leagues so that he is prepared, not necessarily for what's going to happen to him from a baseball perspective, but what's going to happen to him emotionally and, and how you're changing his social you know, uh, setting. You take a 20-year-old and you drop them in a league where the average player is 29 years old and, and you know, they're making millions of dollars. It changes the, the, you know, the, the perspective of that young player. And, you know, and it's taken JK a little longer. Uh, we still believe in his talent. There's there's no disputing the fact that he dominated the minor leagues at every level. And, you know, there's there's one more hurdle for him to cross. And, and hopefully this year is it for him. But I would imagine you've had these sort of same conversations with him, honest, open conversations with him, which is hard to for a young guy to sort of digest a lot of times. But it probably helps him. I would imagine I, I would imagine that the, the guy who's here in spring training right now, and I've read some stories about his approach and everything else. But it's it's a guy that probably has soaked in what has happened the last couple of years and soaked in what you just told him about your experiences with him. Right. Yeah. You learn. And, you know, every time you fall down, you learn how to get back up again. Every time you take an O for 10, you learn that the sun's still going to rise and you're going to see, you know, plate appearances, 11, 12 and 13. It's you learn that it's okay. You're going to hang a slider every now and then, and and they're going to hit a bomb and you got to come back. And, you know, I've, I've been asked that question in this life that I, you know, that I have now, how, what prepared you for, for the job that you're doing? And I said, a ton of hanging sliders, you know, and when, when you're out there and you hang one and they bang them, there's, you understand you have to come back and make the next pitch. 
when you make the trade that didn't quite work or you know you're wearing egg on your face because you got the bad end of a, a deal that you suggested in the first place you know you have to throw the next pitch and make the next move and you know but you can't curl up in a ball and forget that the team needs you to keep making progress and you know if our team's going to get better we have to keep churning the the player personnel model and, and make it work and and the same is true of the the kids as they're trying to break through you know as, as young players in the big leagues is you know these are the best players in the world and and nobody rolls in and just dominates from day one you know it's a, it, you can count them on your fingers over the course of our lifetime it takes time for some guys. And, you know, I, the, the one thing I try to remember with Jared and that we share all the time is, hey, remember this year he's playing. He's he's still younger national championship football game in the in NC2A. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a long road for some guys, but he's still just a kid and, and he's so talented. And we feel like if, if he clicks for us and, and we have been patient, we have given him opportunity. But if he clicks for us, it makes our world different. And, and our lineup is so much more threatening. And we think it's good now, but it has a chance to go from good to better than good. I got to be honest with you. When you were saying all that about hanging sliders and overcoming adversity, all I can think about was me botching the podcast setup leading into this. So, and, <laughs> and, and how I'm so glad I powered through because you've been so good, Jerry. It's, uh, I, I don't want to keep any more of your time. You, you got a team to run. Um, I, I hope to see you when I go out in Arizona. Uh, it's been a blast seeing you now and talk with you. And um, and uh, t-shirts are on the way. Baseballs and boring t-shirts are on the way. So as long I, I because I do believe you think that baseballs and boring. So there you go. I, th- I think baseball is as cool as it gets. And you'll have to give me some uh, insight on the music you get to hear while you're out. Oh my goodness! Let me tell you. Let me. T- and we're hawking uh, hawking Joe Kelly books too. So <laughs> there you go. Sign me up for that. That sounds like oh oh you know oh yeah I will I appreciate it. In celebration of opening day, we've got a special episode of the Moth Podcast for you. The theme is baseball and the surprising ways it connects people. I gaze out at the players on the field and then I, uh, I look over at my dad and I, I realize that in the silence between us that something has changed. It's like I'm seeing him for the first time. Two stories about baseball, family, and so much more. The episode's available right now. Subscribe to the Moth Podcast to make sure you hear it.